of Queens. Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. All right, part three? Part three of the 37 truths we should have been told about men. When we last left our heroes, what number were we on? I think 21. We covered number 20. So we left off the one that spoke about the idea that all attractive men are bad people slash like womanizers is a cope that is primarily propagated by unattractive men who feel like they can't compete with said men. That was what we left off the last time. So we will now be moving on to, I guess, relationship-based truths that we should have been taught about men. Yeah, the last episode was primarily about sex. And this one we'll talk about relationships. Relationships. So let's dive straight in to this meal. So truth number 21 is that women do not need to be in a relationship with a man to be happy. Yes. (laughs) I feel like people say this, a lot of this is, I mean, this isn't a new like truth, so to speak, but I wonder how many people actually believe it as well, that women can be fine just on their own and that if they are single, that doesn't mean that they're defective. I think that a lot of our culture revolves around the concept of family and finding romantic love. So people tend to think that women who don't obsess over that in particular have something wrong with them, right? And that their lives won't be complete or fulfilled without it. But as we've stated many times that really when it comes down to your long-term happiness, it's high value male or bust because if you are with a man who is not good for you, then you are certainly happier single than you are in relationships. And many women who have been married to men such as that will tell you that often they quite literally fantasize about being single and are not so subtly jealous of their friends that don't have as many social obligations or relationship obligations on account of them being married. And that's what single moms have said as well. You know, so many of them say like, after I divorced my husband, you know, my life actually got easier because I didn't have to take care of an adult child in addition to actual children. Imagine that, right? I was just talking to someone on our Discord during our war room about that, is that there's a lot of single moms who say exactly which is, quite literally, their lives are happier and easier not having an adult man in a house. And do you know how useless you gotta be as a man for a woman to prefer to be a single mother? To be a single mom, especially knowing that oftentimes when these single moms go through divorce, they're taking a financial hit. They have the social stigma. They are risking potentially never finding a partner again because of that. And they would still prefer that to being with this man. I mean, that's kind of the rub. And, and there was a um, some incel who was on my Twitter recently replying to my tweets who was spamming me with memes of like a feminist woman versus a woman who has a family and then like saying, oh, feminist women are going to be alone with wine and cats and dogs, etc. And my response to him was like, listen, if having a family was a good value proposition and that if most men put up a good value proposition, it would sell itself, wouldn't it? Yeah, of course, of course. But the thing is, is that so often women could tell that they won't be happier with that man. And so for men to convince women that families are better than being in a, quote, childless, like lonely, not even childless, a lot of women are single with children, but being a cat lady feminist, like you have to convince us that being with a man would be of greater value than being able to have your own autonomy and your own money and live your own life as a single woman. And so many of them don't. They're not even trying to actually convince women of that. They're just saying like, you won't be happy with no actual evidence that that's the case, as well as like, 
them trying to instill fear about dying alone. I'm like, if your entire enticement for women to buy into the family structure is fear rather than like benefit, then it's clearly not anything of value. Just like a high pressure salesman trying to offload a lemon, a shitty product. Yeah. I don't think these men really care about how they get women to comply. They only care about women complying. So if it's, you know, they've done it through force, they force them into marriages, they still do to this day. They've done it through threats of, you know, being a cat lady, dying alone. Like they don't really care about, you know, meeting us an honest way, so to speak, and like having a dialogue. Because on the surface, actually being in a partnership is on the surface, you know, when you look at things like it's easier to get a mortgage, there's also a potential for a greater quality of life because two incomes is always better than one. And women are still choosing to opt out of that. That's a serious issue that isn't going to be resolved just by making threats. Yeah, they'd rather take that Peasley measly child support check than have you sitting around in the house. And Muslims don't even get the child support as well. They don't get it. True. Yeah. Because these men will find ways around it. It's a real problem in the UK as well, where they deliberately un, you know, not declare their income or say that they're not working, or they'll switch to cash in hand jobs so they don't have to pay child support. Or they'll go for custody so that they don't have to pay, but then they won't look after the child. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All facts. Which brings us to our next point. Number 22, men benefit from being married more than women do. I think it's important for women to understand like where the institution of marriage actually comes from. So I was doing some research into this and it comes from the basically the idea that women were seen as property. So the marital certificate that you sign is literally essentially a transfer of ownership from your dad to your husband. It's got very little to do with romance. And that had been the idea that marriage was about property persisted probably up until, I'd say, maybe the early 20th century when we started to conflate it with romance. And, you know, whilst I'm not anti-marriage, especially if a woman wants to get married, I believe that is what she should look for. But it's important to remember that marriage is not, the default isn't, I mean, isn't automatically set up as some equal partnership between a man and a woman. It's not really in the woman's favour on the surface to get married because men benefit more from it. Yeah. I mean, the deal that was struck in generations past was that women got to depend on men for financial support, quote, by the way, putting that in heavy quotation marks because women have always worked. It's just a matter of whether or not we've been compensated for said labor. And also, you know, in theory and in times where there was less organized social structures, like you would be with a guy who would protect you from other men, essentially. But it's just like men don't have any of those inherent benefits anymore because obviously women are now closer to being fairly compensated for their work, not all the way there, but also because we also can own guns and we have a structured police force. You know what I mean? So like the idea of having a man around to like protect and provide, so to speak, is becoming less necessary because we have established social structures and because women can earn their own money and own property, et cetera. So with that, the benefit of having a wife for men is way higher than the benefit then of women having a husband, right? I mean, men always like reference the top 1% of men and saying like, marriage is so terrible for men, they're losing money and like... Uh. Or they'll talk about like divorce rape, like they have anything a woman would want in a divorce. Yeah, most of them don't have shit. That's what makes it so <laughs> ironic. Like they're just like, they all in their minds have the same problems as like 
a professional athlete. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, right? They have Jeff Bezos problems. Elon Musk. Elon Musk problems. (laughs) But they have neat income and neat capabilities. Yeah. (laughs) They have a neat bank account. Their bank account is on broke, fi broke, right? (laughs) They're quite literally like turning their pants pockets inside out, collecting lint dust, right? But in their minds, though... In their minds, though, they're all going to be LeBron James someday and have to protect their assets, quote, which most of them don't have. They don't have so many assets that like these amount of women that would be in their tax bracket would be low, right? With pro athletes, part of it is like there's not as many women that earn as much as them. But all these guys feel like, well, I make 50K a year as if there's not like a lot of women who also make that much money so that if they wanted to and didn't want to be like, you know, financially controlling or coerced or exert coercive control. They could just find a woman who makes similar money than them, but they don't want that. They want like a girl who's dependent on them because they want that power while they complain about said power, right? I mean, just some quick straight facts about the way marriage is, about the ways in which a woman are disadvantaged in marriage. We'll drop the link in the show notes to these articles so you can peruse actual leisure. So a married man, they tend to live longer and earn more money. The reverse is true for married women. Uh, married women tend to bear the brunt of the household and child of rearing that labor. So, so married women do more housework compared with women who aren't married. A husband is six times more likely to leave his wife who has been diagnosed with a terminal illness within six months of the diagnosis than women as well. So you see all these discrepancies, people saying, oh, marriage, marriage, marriage. And it's like, well, actually the stats overwhelmingly say that men benefit more from marriage than women do. And that's not a reason to not pursue marriage if that's what you want. But this is why we always say if you are going to be married, it's extremely important to vet for for certain qualities that will ensure that your husband is actually capable of actually providing a marriage that is equitable to you because the default setup is not in your favor as a woman. Yeah. And if you want to prioritize a man's earning capabilities above other things because you think that's important for your future, the lifestyle you want to leave. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it is amazing to me that men who make like, and I'm not kidding. I know a guy who was complaining about gold diggers when he made 47k a year, but he'd only date women who were like just fresh out of college who had no money. So I'm like, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then again, though, but the women that he I guess the sort of women that he would want to not be a gold digger, women who earn more than him, for example, are not going to be interested in him. Yep, that's it. I mean, that's 100% it because you just so many things, so many things to say about that. But essentially, that's what it is. You date down on purpose because you know any woman who was making a dollar more than you wouldn't put up with your bullshit. (laughs) Not for 47k a year. Hell no. (laughs) No woman is going to be called a gold digger for (laughs) (laughs) $47,000. Well, no woman's going to sit around and watch them scrote talk about how women are trying to co-opt his wealth. Like divorce rape. (laughs) Right. I'm like, you're one missed paycheck above poverty, right? Like, just stop. (laughs) (laughs) That leads on to truth 23 is that men fear being alone and single more than women. Now, this one is very interesting because men will have you believe that it's the opposite hence why you have things like the crazy cat lady trope or you're gonna die alone in a nursing home and actually most of these guys are probably dying alone anyway yeah think about the fact that incels are million strong and femme cells are like a small novelty that we tease from time to time like that just shows you how much more men 
need validation for women and fear being alone and single. Yeah. And that's the reason why like things like male loneliness has been cropping up as societal problem. And so things like, for example, male loneliness has been cropping up. And I actually came across a really interesting stat, which is in the same article as the divorce stat, which I've shared. And apparently 15% of men in the US say they have no close friendships at all. 15%. Yeah. I mean, I believe it. I think if they don't learn how to cultivate friendships in childhood, it obviously gets harder the older they get. But I also think it's really easy to go down these antisocial rabbit holes. And then if you can't cultivate male friendships that are productive, it's very difficult to cultivate it with women. Because I feel like part of pro-social behavior is the ability to cultivate both same-sex and uh, opposite-sex friendships. But these guys, if they are basically failing at both... If you can't relate like well to your own sex, then I think that's just a shocking deficiency of social skills. Do you know what I mean? Like it should be easier to relate to your own sex, generally speaking, because you have the same experiences, you have possibly the same outlook, you have the same, you know, you basically have a lot more in common. But if you can't even cultivate that, then like bare minimums respect from your peers, right? I know guys get bullied and it's not always fair, but you should be able to find like somebody to relate to and somebody to be friends with. But, you know, I think part of the thing t- too is, and this kind of goes back to that episode we did about the 40-year-old neat, is that if you struggle when you're young and you don't actively work at it or you don't try to do anything to self-improve, it definitely gets harder as you get older. But for men in particular, nobody likes single men hanging around. And then people start to feel sorry for you past a certain age. So, so for example, there's always like the charity case man that people just kind of invite to social functions because they don't want him to off himself. Like, and this is like if you've ever had a, a man who has a friend group and then like there's at least one guy who's basically like a guy they feel weirdly loyal to, but he kind of isn't shit and he can never really get his life together. But like they don't want that guy around their kids, right? Like the whole game changes once you have children and once you have your own life to worry about and then suddenly you just have this single male friend who you don't really trust to just have around right especially women don't trust like random men right so whereas like for women who are single you know they might have their own children but they can also be like the cool wine aunt or if they have siblings that have children they they can form social groups of their single women that are productive and also men will always still deal with them because men are very desperate and thirsty for female attention at any age don't let them fool you Whereas like for men, if they haven't achieved anything, they haven't built relationships, like they really actually have nothing. So all the propaganda that women should fear dying alone is quite frankly laughable in comparison to like how bad it is for men if they don't do it. Yeah, it's projection. Yeah, it's projection. As an older single woman, you can move a lot easier than an older single man can. In fact, if you've been watching TikTok, there's a lot of nursing home workers who have talked about just these guys that end up in nursing homes at like 50, like fairly young but they don't take care of their health. Yeah, they piss off all their family, their friends, as well as like the people that work in homeless shelters, which you've talked about. Like there's just a lot of these guys, like they don't cultivate the type of pro-social relationships to keep women around. And even if you're like a one percenter, like a pro athlete, like there was recently, and if you guys know who Shaquille O'Neal is, he was talking about how much he regrets screwing up his marriage with his first wife and how he lives in a mansion and like basically is by himself. I mean... He's gotten old. He's gotten fat. I mean, he's in pretty good shape, actually. I shouldn't say that. He's pretty definitely in good shape for a man of his age. Yeah, for his age. Oh, that's interesting. But he's talked about that. Like, any woman that deals with him on some level is dealing with him because of his money, right? 
but like he has a problem finding anyone who's genuine. And then, you know, at this point, it's harder for him to cultivate relationships because like, where would you meet people, right? Everybody else is kind of booed up with their husband or wife. So even he's struggling. I don't know how men who don't have nearly his wealth and connections are going to. So I don't know. Also the slight, I guess, partner disqualification is that he's a serial cheat as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's totally his fault. Like, let me back up and make that clear. It's totally his fault the way <laughs> that things are the way they are. Let me back up over the corpse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He even talked about this. He cheated a lot on his wife. And so to the point where his, like he, there was a really infamous um, back and forth he had with his ex-wife, Shawnee O'Neill on Twitter. No, no, it was on Instagram where um, she was getting engaged to someone else. And then he made some random comments like about wanting her back, et cetera. And like, she basically laughed in his face. But, you know, it's because he cheated on her all the time. And it obviously ruined his relationship with her as well as strained his relationship with his children. So just be careful with that kind of stuff. Because like, I mean, this is just mostly like scrote cautionary tales, but it's just to illustrate that even men who have a lot of money, connections, resources, they can feel that kind of lo- that kind of loneliness. I mean, look at like Mike Tyson and shit. Like it's just, you know what I mean? It's a thing that happens if you don't cultivate positive relationships. So 24, male friendships are often surface level. I mean, we touched on this previously in the episode. This is why I feel like this male loneliness thing is really almost a euphemism for them basically saying like women need to pick up the emotional slack for men because they're not willing to do it for each other. And as we've just said, if you are unable to cultivate deep relationships with people of the same sex to you, then I don't see how you can cultivate a deep relationship with somebody of the opposite sex, because that takes even greater social skill. You need more empathy, you need more understanding, you need to be able to recognize that the person is basically different to you. And a lot of men, especially when they don't have any friends or don't seem to go outside very often, it reflects in how they speak to women because they just don't have any idea. Yeah, every guy knows that past a certain point, a man becomes a liability to be in their friend group. So a lot of men, they keep it surface level as to not have to invest in men they know that are otherwise shitty, right? <laughs> they can be sneaky boss. Like I remember my sister, she had a friend who had a younger brother and this younger brother, partly because of his parents, but they basically gassed him up and made him think like he was like, you know, Emperor Cusco of his school. Like he was so smart. He's going to do so well, whatever. And this like guy, let's call him Jay. He had a group of, you know, friends, so to speak, in quotation marks at his school. And the friendship broke down when uh, like Jay basically found out that his group of friends planned a holiday and didn't invite him. And, you know, Jay asked one of them why. And they basically said, well, we find you quite arrogant and don't really like you that much, (laughs) basically. (laughs) But they're still friends. That's the funny part about it. They'd be like, yeah, we don't like you. I mean, they were still like hanging out during the day. But when it came to like planning trips and stuff, (laughs) they just excluded him. And he only found out in passing. So they were just keeping him around, like you were saying, just to be polite. But they were freezing him out at the same time because they couldn't actually come to him and say, listen, I don't like your attitude or I'm not feeling this friendship. They just froze him out. Especially if he's the kind of guy to quote, scare the hoes. (laughs) Scare the hoes. What? Okay, so sometimes there's a man who is so bad at interacting with women that he becomes a liability to hang out with the rest of men. So they start to exclude him from social groups and social interactions because then they won't get laid because their friend is a fucking creep. So (laughs) 
sorry, that's another Twitter euphemism. But that completely makes sense, though, because ultimately men, generally speaking, they value their ability to get with women a lot more than their supposed loyalty to other men, generally speaking. Yeah, the only time you see men like really hold the line is if they're all men that can get sex pretty easily, then it becomes all this bros before hoes, et cetera, et cetera. We talked about this in our Exploiting Cracks in Male Solidarity episode, but a lot of male friendships, there's cracks in that area because a lot of men, especially if they're on the precipice, if they're right in the medium ugly range where it's not necessarily easy for them to get women, like they don't want men around them that's going to make it even harder, right? That's going to make it even worse, yeah. Yeah. If it's easy for them to get a certain amount of women, then it's a different dynamic. But for those guys right on the cusp, then... Yeah, you don't want the bridge troll coming out and like chasing all the princesses away, like, yeah, be five, oh, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is controversial to say, I think, but even when it comes to the way men have friendships with women, I think it's totally different to when, you know, women have friendships like, with other women. And whilst I think it's possible for men and women to be friends, but what I always say is that just be mindful of the fact that he might you know, one day make an advance or make a move on you. And you have to ask yourself if you would be okay with that. But a lot of women wouldn't be because obviously, and perhaps rightfully so, they see the whole friendship then as some sort of betrayal. Because again, like what shitty men would do, it happened to one of my friends, one of my best friends, is that she was dating a guy. He was basically like your stereotypical Chad. Like he was tall, athlete, whatever. He was a piece of shit as well. But anyway, and her male friends would often like bitch about him to her basically trying to to break them up not for her own benefit so that they had a chance because the minute they split up a lot of them just basically just swooped right in there to try and get with her it's really shitty behavior actually and even though they were right about the guy but they weren't doing it out of concern for her they were doing it to get into her knickers basically i don't know that we've ever talked about this but there are a lot of guys who are they will definitely go behind their friends back to try to be with you Yeah, 100%. And they're not doing it out of concern, again, for the woman. They're just doing it because they want her. So men can be pick-me's too, but then the only thing with men is like, it's less like they necessarily want to be in a relationship with you, more so they want to sleep with you. They just want to sleep with you, yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit different than women when they try to mate poach when it's generally because they want that guy. Not all the time. Sometimes they just don't want another woman to have him, but that's just a whole... We can talk about those women in another episode. Men will actually openly admit that they would only be friends with women that they find attractive, which is interesting, an interesting development. Not only will they only be friends with women like that, they only talk to women like that. And I've seen that dynamic, unfortunately, play out at work. So to validate the femcells, there is like a tendency for men to be totally, almost like act like women who aren't attracted to them don't exist. I noticed this when I lost a lot of weight. Like, I didn't think people treated me badly before, but I noticed how especially men would go out of their way to talk to me to the point where I found it quite annoying because it's like, I don't really want to talk to you, but they would like literally go out of their way to say, hi, can I carry your bag? Like they'll go out of their way to talk to me at the most random place. And I'm just like, go away. It's amazing how men suddenly become Boy Scouts when they think you're attractive, right? Like they'll push a little old lady out the way. They'll face palm an old lady into the street to help you across the street if they think you're attractive. That literally happened to me, like, when I was out with one of my friends, and this guy was drunk as well, he literally came, like, bounding across the street, basically, like, body-checked her out of the way, and he was like, oh my gosh, you're so attractive. You need help, lady! (laughs) Like, literally, he was like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful, and I was just so horrified. I didn't even know what to say. 
because he literally just like bodied her out of the way to come and speak to me. I'm like, that's not acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Elbowing people in the face on the way out, like elbowing, (laughs) punching kids in the back of the head. So (laughs) clear a way for you. Yeah. So another episode, another time, but even that is very low value and not helpful in so many ways. Yeah. Yes. It's not flattering behavior. This is why I guess was I a femme cell? I can see the femme cell side, but I can also see when people say pretty privilege doesn't exist, which even though I think it does, but men still treat, oftentimes like when, you know, men are nicer to women who are deemed more conventionally attractive, it's not coming from a place of being genuine. They still just want to fuck her. Oh, they want something for that. They're not being nice because they're just going to do it. Yeah, exactly. It isn't like organic, you know, niceness. It's, they still want their pound of flesh from her. Absolutely. All right. So number 25, a man wanting kids does not mean he is prepared and willing to be a father. Preach on this. Okay. So personally, I think it's a really big red flag if a guy says I want like 10 children, purely because I don't think he understands the impact that is going to have on the woman. He's not considering that. I actually think it's not red flag, maybe an orange flag, because I question if he's actually sat down and thought about okay, I want 10 kids, but this woman is going to have to be, you know, carry and birth the children, probably do most of the childcare. Her career is going to take a hit and they just don't seem to think about that. So that's why I think it's dodgy when they want like loads and loads of kids. I mean, yeah, there's just so many guys who are basically Nick Cannon without even Nick Cannon money. But do you know how so many people are defending Nick Cannon and saying, well, doesn't matter how many kids he has, he's a good dad until like several of his baby mamas, including Mariah Carey, said he doesn't spend any time with his kids. I mean, it's literally impossible. It's to the point where you, you want to have Neil deGrasse Tyson calculate how much time it would take uh, Nick Cannon to visit all his children in a single night. It's impossible, right? Exactly. I mean, if you had it with one woman, that's different. But having multiple households, there's no way he's spending anywhere near amount anywhere near enough time with each of his kids because they're dispersed the reason i mentioned neil degrasse tyson is because he does this bit every year where he talks about how it's impossible for santa to visit all of the children in all of the world every (laughs) every christmas eve and so i'm like yeah i wonder if he could figure out like mathematically if it's even possible for nick cannon to visit all his children in a single day probably not I don't know where he lives, but I mean, unless they all live in the same neighborhood. I don't think that's like, I mean, think about it, like Mariah Carey is not going to live in the same neighborhood as one of his other baby mothers. Yeah, I think Mariah lives in Atlanta and then she was in New York. I think she's got property both in Atlanta and in New York. She's got properties everywhere. And I think some of his other baby mamas are in LA. So quite, they're literally in three different states. They're dispersed as well. So there's no way. He couldn't take a red eye flight and visit all his kids. No. Which is nuts. And they don't really, you know, men like that don't really seem, you know, the need to. Because I remember seeing an interesting take on Twitter is that a man, especially if he's got like multiple baby mamas, he sort of ties the amount of effort he's willing to put into the kid to his relationship with the mum. So if he doesn't have a relationship with the mum, he won't, you know, by extension, he won't see that he has to put in any effort with the child. As opposed to seeing his role as a father as being completely independent of his relationship with the mom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember who said this, but it was a celebrity figure who said something very explicitly along the lines that a lot of men feel like if they don't love the mother, then they don't have to take care of the kid. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, period. Like the amount of parenting they put in is a reflection of how they feel about the mother rather than the desire to make sure their children grow up, you know. Yeah. And I think just like going back to the topic of a man wanting kids is that, again, it's about, I think a lot of men want kids. I mean, not even men, but people more generally, but I'm going to zone in on men here, is that they want kids, they'll say like, to pass on my legacy to, you know, for basically quite superficial reasons. And it's really important if you do want to have children with a man is to make sure that he's actually willing to be a father and a parent and to be an active father and an active parent as well. Because again, if we look at the dynamics of, you know, raising a child and even childbirth, that's disproportionately weighted against the woman. So you just have to make sure that if he wants children, that he has the qualities needed to be a good and present dad as well. You know, so in a way, if you do want to be with a man and to have children, you have to double vet. You not only have to vet him as a partner, but also as a potential dad. And I feel like too many women, they only vet for the partner. They do that badly. And then when that doesn't work out, their jaws are dropping when the guy turns out to be a shit dad. And it's like, it's not possible for a guy who's a bad partner to be a good dad. Just like, it's not possible for a a guy who's a bad partner to be a good dad. Yeah, I mean, I think the attempt to try to validate the idea that you could be a shitty husband and a great dad is cope, quite frankly. I just don't see how it's possible, especially even if he's okay with the kids. The fact he thinks it's okay to treat you badly in front of those kids and knowing that his poor treatment of you is going to impact the way you relate to the world and especially to your kids. But he can't be a good, he's not a good parent. Yeah, but you know, the bar for men is really low. So they think, oh, I brought pampers once or twice. So next, 26. Men tend to date and marry within their own social class. This is called assortive mating. Let's talk about it because we don't talk about how much men are, I would say gold diggers, meaning like they want to marry up in social class if they can, but also that men prefer to marry within their own social class and then just cheat if they want to date women who are outside of that. But the fairy tale of a man who has a lot of money marrying a working class girl or a woman who doesn't come from anything is just that in most cases a fairy tale. And I think this is so important to talk about because like, and this is why we don't do the like among a lot of different things. So we don't do like the femininity training and like the gold digger stuff, because first of all, there's just a ton of that on the internet. And most of it's like a pipe dream, quite frankly. Yeah, I was going to touch on that, that whole idea that you can basically finesse your way into a rich man who will take care of you. It's all bollocks. Yeah. And it's really important to talk about this with working class girls because I feel like they're most often the victim of this kind of scam thinking. I always think of like, think of any type of period piece that you've ever seen ever. I mean, we talk about Bridgerton here, but there's like Game of Thrones, etc., where they talk about like men trying to secure their legacy and what they tend to do is they always have to marry the acceptable wife, the one who is socially acceptable, and then they'll just cheat with other women. Prince Charles and Diana? Yeah, perfect example. Prince Charles and Diana. So I think a lot of times these femininity coaches go to women and say like, oh, if you just look like you're of a certain class or you hang out the right spaces and the right bars, etc. The sad part is like a lot of times like they try to make these girls look classy, but they look like nouveau riche trash. Well, they're still going to look out of place, right? Because especially the men they're trying to 
attract these rich men. They've been around wealth their whole life. Like, I see it on various subreddits, I'm not going to name one, but one in particular that is basically advising, you know, women to go to places like Davos, the World Economic Forum, to try and pick up these men. Like, they're going to know, like, if you are a 21-year-old girl from Atlanta, they're going to know that you don't belong there. That's just the way it is. I'm not sure about the US so much, but especially in countries like the UK and, I guess, even politics or in tech, there is a very clearly defined, almost like social class system, right? So somebody like Mark Zuckerberg is going to know that somebody is a junior tech developer, for example, even if you dress up like you are, even if you're outfitted in like head to toe from in designer clothes, which by the way, most rich people don't dress in head to toe designer all the time. That's one of the biggest giveaways that somebody probably isn't as wealthy as they present is that they dress in designer clothes weirdly enough because rich people don't do that every day i say like even a junior tech has a lot more of a chance than a lot of the girls who are super into the femininity training who are generally like working class like so you're talking about administrative assistants women who work at like retail etc i feel like those are the women they always target with that like oh just look pretty etc just show up at these rich places and yeah they call it freestyling and they'll be there with like a ball going on and shit and like <laughs> looking like really out of place. And it's because that's kind of the sad part about it. So I want to say that not because like, it just to like to dispel the myth that hypergamy is an easy thing to achieve or something that most women who train themselves in the art of femininity are going to achieve. To be blunt, if you don't have like the social circle, you're more than likely, if you're not in the social circles already by virtue of your own network, you won't be led into the most exclusive ones, right? It's really hard to get in them if you don't have like a, re I mean, just the cost alone, right? Like some of these networks like or professional organizations like dues are hundreds of dollars a year. Sometimes thousands, like even because you know, like the dog pound gym, it's like $40,000 a year. You know that famous Insta celebrity gym? I mean, so yeah, like even the price alone is deliberately meant to be a screening tactic, basically. And this is also why I think, this is what I like about FDS, is that if a woman wants to be hypergamous, her best bet is to level up herself, as opposed to trying these underhanded backdoor, I'm just gonna just appear here and then a guy is gonna want me and spend loads of money on me tactics. Because I read the sugar baby forums, and like some of the stuff that they're doing, I'm just thinking, you'd actually be better off going to school, getting a good career. It would actually take you a lot less effort and you would have more money so you can access the places that you're going to easier, more authentically than trying to get in through the back door. And you're wasting years of your life trying to get this when it's just a complete scam for these women and they don't realize that they're being basically set up to fail. And the thing is, is let's say they do achieve it. The other side of the Cinderella story is that now you marry into a family where they have all the power and you have none, which can be scary if you need to leave for some reason, if he turns out to be abusive or horrible or just for your own sanity. I mean, like just even I don't necessarily think Megan is outside the social class of Harry, even though that might be arguable for some of our UK people. No, she is. I mean, according to the British, like she's way out of it. hundred percent. I don't give a shit about your hoity-toity. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Like, sorry, America. But I mean, I do. I am a team Megan. But yeah, she is. She would be out of it. But even her, like she has money. She had connections. She's obviously not like, she wasn't an A-list actress, but she has millions of dollars. She has like friends in high places, et cetera. Like she has a network. And quite frankly, when they left 
the British royal family, most of what they were relying on was her network. But when you look at it, it's like even she married into the royal family as an outsider and like everyone abused the shit out of her. You know what I mean? So like that's the flip side of if you are hypergamous and you quote marry up by marrying something like the British royal family or any other type of, you know, higher social class, quote, heavy on the sarcasm, then if they turn on you, you're kind of stuck. You know what I mean? And you don't have like your own resources, your own network. Like the reason why, you know, even with Megan, like she at least has like, she can come back home to America and she has friends here and people that can support her and people that have clout. Yeah, she was lucky that Americans aren't up the royal's ass. And I think that was probably why they chose America because it's independent. They're not really about this royalty stuff. And celebrities there aren't really like, they could probably see through what the press was doing to Meghan. So she had that going for her in that America is somewhat a lot more neutral slash pro-Meghan there because of location and, and cultural differences. Yeah. So that's the thing. If you do marry outside your social class and you don't have your own network, you could be in a place where you're really stuck or you have no power and that might get old really quickly. But that's why a lot of these men, especially, they are drawn to these sorts of sugar baby relationships. It's not about helping a woman out. It's about having power and control over her. I was reading a story in one of the forums where a sugar daddy gifted his sugar baby a car. But what she didn't know is that he installed a tracking device in said car. So he he basically tracked her everywhere. And it's just bullshit like that. Like, it's just, it's not so much about, you know, wanting to give you a leg up as it is about giving, you know, the guy control and him believing that he has the right to treat you anyhow because he pulled you out from the gutter sort of thing. I mean, that's the whole mail order bride scam, right? They try to get women who are in financially desperate situations and then exert all the power. And then, I mean, sometimes the women are able to flip it around. And I feel like most of the times, <laughs> I mean, there's an episode where Lil talks about that situation with her own father. But like a lot of that is because like these guys tend to be kind of scrotes. So they don't really have, they're not really powerful if they're getting overseas brides. But like, let's say for some reason they were, it becomes really, really hard for that woman to get out of that situation. Yeah, they can make her life really difficult. So I think that some so some maybe older FDSs are into hypergamy, which is fine. But just be aware of the potential pitfalls. And ultimately, as I've said before, it's always worth investing in yourself and your own development, you know, whatever that might look like. I'm not saying everybody has to be an executive earning over 200k a year, whatever that looks like for you to be your best self so that when, you know, you meet a guy, you can stand in your own power and confidence, as opposed to relying on him to rescue you from, you know, whatever hellscape that you're in. Yeah, you don't have to be 100% of what he has, but maybe like 70%, 60% at least. So then you're just not, yeah. Abusive men do not change because they benefit from being abusive. It is not because they cannot help it, in quotation marks. Again, this is something that is said a lot of the time, but I don't think many people believe it because the minute a guy has demonstrated being abusive, people instantly jump to making, you know, mitigating circumstances and excuses for him. Sometimes even going as far as to make excuses for him that the guy himself is not making. Yeah. And women infer that because they want to believe someone wouldn't do the things that they're doing to them or it wouldn't be as cruel. And like women tend to project our own empathy levels and compassion onto other people. And it's dangerous when we do that for men, especially. And I think part of that is just like Rose said, it's an unwillingness to accept that some men 
behave in ways because they just genuinely don't care. They don't care that they are hurting us. They don't have any empathy or sympathy for how you know we're feeling. And obviously, people who have empathy, which tends to be higher in women generally, they can't fathom that, that somebody would hurt somebody and not care that they've done it. And there's benefits to being abusive as well. And this is also why we say, and we touched on this in the Lindy Bancroft episode um, last year, is that one of the ways in which we can take action against abusive men is to make it more socially costly for men to be abusive. Now, I'm not even just talking about council culture per se, and I'm not talking about the legal system either, because obviously that is just basically shit for women, but it's just making it more socially costly. So, you know, publicly shaming them, for example, I'm all about that. In an ideal world, a woman wouldn't date a guy who has been accused of being a sex offender or any type of abuser, but unfortunately we know that women do, but that would be a start as well. So just basically ostracizing them socially, we can do that. Yes. I mean, the biggest thing with abusive men is it's not just that it's personally beneficial for them. You know, it's socially and as a society beneficial for men to control women. And so they have a lot of structures that reinforce their behavior. So reinforce and excuse their behavior. If there's, I mean, if we've learned anything from the Megan the Stallion trial, it's that you can literally, you know, shoot a woman in both her feet, have multiple gun charges having a a history of flying off the handle and getting in fights with people and they'll still find a way to make some convoluted magic bullet theory to blame the woman in that situation so yes yeah we're gonna do a whole episode on that one on that bullshit we're gonna do an episode on that one but yeah that's just a perfect example of the entire hip-hop community rallying around a scrote who's clearly fucking abusive but since it like benefits his ego to be this macho person as well as like to denigrate a woman who they feel is a little bit too confident you know there's obviously social benefits to maintaining that hierarchy so it's personally beneficial but just socially beneficial as well wanted to make that distinction so yeah i think a lot of the discourse around abusive relationships really skips out what abusive men say about why they abuse when they're being honest and if you speak to offenders you'll often find that there's a huge sense of entitlement, a huge sense of feeling like they are owed respect and power for not really doing anything, and a huge lack of remorse as well, and a lot of premeditation as well. So when people say things like he was pushed to do it, or, you know, it was a crime of passion, so to speak, in every single situation of abuse, you'll often find it was premeditated because the abuse often happens in places, you know, where there are no witnesses, or if there is a witness, the abuser knows that they will get away with it. All right, so our last one. Yes, so 28, doing ride or die for a man and suffering for love only leads to more suffering. Your relationship with a man should not feel like a battleground where you are fighting to get basic respect and consideration. I feel like there is a conflation between working on a relationship and suffering. Generally speaking, working on something, so An example which I saw that was quite good is a degree, for example. So there are times when your degree is more challenging. There are times when it stretches you more. There are times where you might feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. But on the whole, the benefits of studying generally outweigh the cons of studying, right? So even if your degree is, you know, hard work, that you know that will pay off with, you know, graduation and like a higher paid job. But 
in relationships, if we then apply that same logic to relationships, we see that basically gritting your teeth and bearing it through relationships isn't really worth it because A, we don't know if all that suffering is going to pay off. Nine times out of 10, it doesn't because the guy gets used to you suffering and sacrificing and giving. So when you ask him to step up, they don't feel a need to do that because like you've been stepping up all this time. And I think there is a difference between working out problems and trying to fight to get basic respect and consideration. Yeah, that definition of what constitutes a loyal woman. It's basically a slave. Yeah, exactly. And men keep expanding that definition larger and larger as the years go by, right? A ride or die woman or a woman who, you know, is with you through sickness and then health is supposed to be a person who would ride with you when, you know, circumstances beyond your control happen because life happens, right? Or even if you make mistakes, but you are doing it out of, you know, just misinformation or but you're trying your best. Otherwise, let's say like you try really hard for a promotion and you don't get that promotion or something like even the Obamas where Barack for years was basically a failed politician before he was a successful politician. That's like one thing where you're trying to build your brand, or you're trying to do something like that. And you vow to support each other through your ups and your downs. But what they're starting to define as a ride or die woman is a woman who puts up with like abject stupidity, stuff that like nobody with a lick of scent should put up with, right? Stuff like holding criminal charges for their man, stuff like staying with him through cheating, through outside babies. I mean, they're actually telling women now that you have to be loyal to men who have children outside of your relationship, right? Like, oh, you can work through it, et cetera. Like, it's stuff that's like so hugely disrespectful to who you are that like it's them trying to get a better deal for themselves at your expense by guilting you into being this ride or die woman. But like it clearly doesn't benefit you. And men will not return the same favor. Like look at the way they speak about single moms, even though they're the parent that stayed. You know, if all women say had a child for another man, even then, I mean, men might grit their teeth and bear it, but they would never accept it or they would never say, you know, we have to step up and be dads to these. Actually, there's a tribe in, I think, like the Amazon where like all the men the women have slept with are seen as the dad of the kid. So maybe they'll be all right with it. But generally speaking, like, they're not going to be cool with that. And this is something that women need to recognize as well is that what these men are asking of you, they would never give back to you. So they are trying to make you sleepwalk into an unequal relationship, you know, when they're saying all of this. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they would never sit through similarly unfavorable conditions. And it's weird because like, what do you win by being a ride or die? It's just like, I don't even know that like they get that much respect from the men. Like a lot of men will try to give lip service to, they'll do that long embarrassing post on Instagram where they talk about like, she's been through me. She held me down through thick and thin and through this and this and that. But I get the distinct impression that other men also don't respect the ride or die chick as much as like they try to pretend like, oh, the ride or die chick is like the aspirational woman to be, right? So like even if you are the ride or die chick and you think like, oh, it's going to give me power within this patriarchal structure, that's often still not the case. So this is why like pick me's go out sad so many times. They're always going out fucking sad because like they think that they've won and they think like, oh, I've garnered a level of respect. And so often it's so precarious, right? Like you step out of line once and it's over for you, right? And I've seen this over and over with like, you've seen this over and over with like, with celebrities and their wives, especially like athletes and their wives, 
right? Because there's this like idea that any woman that's attached to an athlete just needs to like shut up and be happy for her position and like absolutely defend every single thing that a man does. Like they like to give lip service to the idea that a woman who's very supportive of her husband, etc. But like if you take a picture on Instagram they don't like, then they're all over you saying like, oh, you're not a good wife, etc. So like you don't really like build equity or build points or respect in the a patriarchal structure. You can only lose it. You know what I mean? So you think you like all this work you've put in to build your brand as a ride or die chick is going to pay off and then doesn't. <laughs> like It just doesn't. You can lose it just like that. So that's why it's just not a good thing to invest in. Yeah, exactly. Prioritize yourself, queens, and your happiness always. Yes. All right. So that was part three of 37 Truths You Should Have Been Taught About Men, The Relationship Files. Uh, you can discuss this episode on our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com, also on our Twitter at femdatstrat, and our Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. And check out our Patreon for weekly bonus content. That's patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. And talk to us about it on Discord if you're on the Patreon. And that's it. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you scrotes out there, we're not falling for your propaganda. You're going to die alone and die mad. You're the one who's going to die alone. So die mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See you next week. Bye.